Hello there, and welcome to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast, now on iTunes. I want to thank everyone for reaching out and demanding that this uh, podcast be on iTunes now. We're working on the second feed issue. I've uh, been exchanging emails with Jim. That's going to be resolved shortly. Uh, but for now, you can find us on iTunes under Bright Side of the Sun. We have one episode, really easy to find us. If you click on the wrong feed, take the two seconds to go back and find the right feed. That issue will be resolved uh, soon, either way. Uh, but I'm joined today by Dave King, but Dave honestly doesn't matter in this episode because we've got the man, the myth, the legend, the AZ Central man himself, Paul Coral. Paul, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. That's quite the intro. <laughs> yeah, I just closed out Dave right there like he meant nothing, even if he is technically my boss in one way or another on Bright Side of the Sun. Dave, how are you doing? I'll ask how you're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just the nominal boss here sitting around. Uh, <laughs> Kellen, you're running the podcast, and, and Paul's the more important reporter, I've already been told. So uh, you, I'll, I'll just take a third seat on this train. <laughs> All right, definitely. <laughs> uh, the first thing I wanted to touch on with having Paul on is we haven't really talked much about the Ronnie Price report. Uh, John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports reported six days ago that Ronnie Price uh, accepted a two-year deal from another team. Uh, we have not heard anything since. Have you heard anything on that, Paul, by the way? Uh, might as well ask since you're on. Uh, the only thing I'd heard was that the, the Suns really didn't even know who else. They just had been informed, you know, and I, I take it that uh, because of what's gone on with the Suns, maybe he's uh, been ready to move on. But there was still interest in him, you know, after the draft. It wasn't like they were uh, locked in on Tyler Eulis having that, that point guard role. You know, they they didn't know if he'd be ready for that or not. So, um, but I think, you know, Ronnie Price at at 33 to if he's getting two guaranteed years someplace else, that's probably a good thing for him. What are they losing uh, with a player like him, especially in the locker room? Oh yeah, that's, that's a pretty good, I mean, they're, they're picking up some, some and Jared Dudley and Barbosa, but those are different kind of guys. Ronnie Perez is, you know, always the most mature guy in the room. And, um, you know, he's that guy that just grinds every day. He's the guy that practices harder than anyone, even though he's older than almost all of them. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of stuff to lose. Just all that defensive knowledge. And, you know, I think and, and in some ways they might be losing the best Ronnie Price there ever was. Like, I think <laughs> at point last year where, you know, with his surgeries that, you know, helped him feel better with his elbow and his feet, uh, you know, he shot it better than ever. Uh, he was back to the defensive tenacious type of guy he was. And, I mean, obviously he's not the – the make or break for anybody's season, but he's just a really good influence uh, on a bunch of young players. That's so. Let me just ask you. Sorry, let me just jump in, Kellen. Um, so let me just ask uh, a little bit of a follow up here, Paul. You said you did hear from the Suns that they were told it's a two year deal with a different team without naming the team as well. Uh, you know, I two years is just what I had heard around. I, they didn't say that directly, but I, I assume that's part of it too. That that would make sense if they were just talking about him staying for another year and um you know i don't begrudge them any either that you know they've they've seen a lot in tyler eulis during rookie or during summer league you know they added barbosa you know how many how many of those combo types not ronnie's more of a pure point but how many of those guys you know can clutter up point yeah so and barbosa is getting introduced tomorrow yeah, I guess he was he was initially going to just come in in August because of the Olympics, and he was already there doing a lot of pre-Olympic stuff for Brazil. Obviously, it's a big deal there being the host, but I think his uh, he was a little bit anxious about going into the Olympics without a contract. 
So uh, he's in town to do physicals and sign and, and be introduced. And then, so basically, he's, I, don't, I don't even know if he's here 48 hours. I think he's just coming in to take <laughs> care of everything he has and then going right back. In true uh, Brazilian blur fashion, for sure. Uh, going <laughs> back to Price for a second, uh, I had my first media day experience with the Suns last year. And one of the things that really stood out to me leaving there was how much the players were talking about Ronnie Price from like an outsider perspective with not that much access to the team prior to that. Um, I just like Ronnie Price is like the third point guard on the team, end of the bench, veteran presence, what have you. But Bledsoe, Knight, Goodwin, whatever guard or even player you talk to on the Suns, they really talked about how much of an impact he had. I know Booker, when he talked about his diet before Summer League, specifically mentioned Ronnie Price uh, telling him about carbs and everything. And that's something that they're going to be losing with Price. But it seems like it came at a good time, right, Paul, uh, especially for a guy like Book? Yeah, it was, the timing was great. And, you know, Ronnie had just come off of that season where he had started a lot for the Lakers because of a similar situation. And then he wound up in the same one here where he – not that he was a, a full-time starter or anything, but he started a lot more games than anticipated. He was supposed to just come in and be uh, a part-time backup point guard, you know, that third point guard who played – every once in a while, but maybe not every game and was just okay with the role because he was there more to, to mentor everybody and push practices and that sort of thing. So, but you're right. He's, you know, if it's, it's hard for anybody who's never talked extensively to Ronnie price to find out really just how impressive a person he is, but he's a real deep thinker. He's uh, like I said, just very mature, sees the big picture for everything and treats everybody extremely well, uh, no matter what status they are. And and that's because how he's had to grind his whole career. You know, he coming in undrafted and and finding a way to what make eleven years of a NBA career uh, mm-hmm. when right he was yeah. not to have one at all at a Utah Valley State. Yeah, yeah. Man. So Price with Price doing the uh, um, he was just in San Diego last month with the whole group doing the doing the big group hug for three days. Uh, and now all of a sudden it's the two-year deal. Is it really the uh, that? I guess it's that important to do a contract that'll give you two years over waiting around to see if the Suns will give you one. Well, I'm also wondering how much he got. You know, with the ridiculous money being thrown around and him having a, a pretty decent season last year, where he he hit what 35 percent of his threes, and that was something he had never done before. He'd always been under 30 on threes, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, right. solid point guard, great defender. You know, somebody went out and threw some more money at him or more years, you know, I wouldn't begrudge him at all for, for taking that at the end of his career. Let's Absolutely. transition a bit into who uh, all three of us saw in Vegas a bit and who I think Watson and the co- the coaches at least hope that he can be a version of Ronnie Price is Tyler Eulis, the most impressive player we saw for an extended time. Booker only played two games. Uh, Paul, what were your initial impressions of the way Eulis played and the way he was around the team in Vegas? Uh, just the absolute control he has of the of the game and the floor and 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 the immediate leadership he had of of a team that was a a collection of guys from all different directions with all different motives all different experiences and skill levels and then he's the one that just kind of galvanized him and and he immediately was uh the one you know directing people the one pulling guys over on a dead ball to tell them what they did wrong uh you know, he didn't look like somebody who uh, 30 teams had passed on <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. to before he went. Uh, I think, you know, more than anything, uh, you know, the defense was really startling early when he was getting so many steals. When he had 14 in the first 
three games or whatever. But yeah. uh, I think overall the the way he didn't turn over the ball, and maybe there was a little bit there at the end, and, and maybe that's where some fatigue or, or something finally caught up a little bit with him with however how many minutes he was playing. But to to be with that sort of collection of people in a haphazard offense that you had three days to practice and then go out and run it as efficiently as he did without making dribble mistakes or passing mistakes. And, and it's not like he was just doing careful uh, Kendall Marshall type things. He was, he was, he <laughs> Tyler was actually this, have you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. So he, what do you think about um, Tyler Ewis with size though? I mean, really, I would love to be able to ignore the size, but there is a possibility he just won't be able to get his shot off and uh, he might wear down over the course of the season. Yeah, well, I don't think he'd wear down because I don't think he'd play enough to wear down. You know, I, he's a third point guard and he might be in that type of role where I mentioned Price was a year ago, not, you know, where the ideal Price role of a year ago of him not playing every game and, and, and being a third point guard just when they needed it or when someone was hurt. You know, obviously injuries predicate a lot of that but the size is a big deal it's why everybody passed him there wasn't really much else there except some faux health stuff that really wasn't uh, a serious thing for anybody but uh you know in some ways i, I know this is the the way the u-less card that he always plays that he uses it to his manage but what i noticed is how easily he gets over screens because of all small he is and that's that's one of the most difficult things to do as a defensive point guard sometimes is to play over screens it's so easy to go under uh, but he just seems to slip over them so easily because he's small and quick. Um, and that tenacity, just to be low on the ball. Uh, Nate Bjorkren had the great quote one time about uh, as soon as the opponent puts the ball down, they be, better be ready because he's going to try to get it before it comes back up. Yeah, yeah. It's very true. And he, his anticipation is incredible. I mean, not just his on-the-ball anticipation to steal passes, either deflecting them, immediately on the ball or feeling when a, a teammate's double is coming and dropping off because he knows where the guy's going to pass to the open man that's that's the stuff that's uncanny but you you're right he will have a difficult time getting off his shot i i did see that he's already developed a floater and a teardrop which you know a lot we've seen a lot of point guards come very in the NBA and have to learn three three years in and he's already got that yeah, I think everyone not so familiar with the draft process or the players heading in heard all this hype about him. Like, he could have been a lottery pick. If he was bigger, he would have been a top-five pick and yada, yada, yada. And we, and they saw it really quickly with how good of a player he is, and especially with Summer League and the guys being a step or two slower, a little bit smaller. He was able to really display his game full through, and I think we're going to see some of that with Price heading out. I think he's got a really good chance at making an impact his rookie season. Uh, which is saying something a lot for a second-round pick. But the Suns had two first-round picks. That was a pretty good transition, huh? Not bad. Uh, but the Suns had two first-round picks, uh, of course, in the top ten. Uh, Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. Paul, they, they brought in Jared Dudley, obviously, to help supplement a lot of what's going to happen at Power Forward. But those rookies are going to play. And what stood out to you from a transitioning to the regular season perspective on really either guy? I think I think a little bit they came as advertised. Dragon Bender being the more he was disappointing to a lot of people, but to me he looked like somebody who's played pro basketball and knows how to do a lot of different mm -hmm. things. And it's having to adapt to uh, a new game, uh, new opponents, new basketball, new court, new country, new rules. I, I just think there was a lot there for him to 
to uh, digest at once. And then at the same time, the Suns were using him in a lot of different ways, you know, play the three, guard the five. You know, there was a lot of stuff coming at him. And I I thought for the most part, he showed himself well. I know he, he shot poorly and uh, he had some high turnovers and a lot of fouls. But, I, you know, I kind of expected that from a 18-year-old coming from where he's come and let's let's not forget too he was barely playing over there so all of a sudden now he's getting 30 some minutes a game he isn't even used to that so um i thought that was the norm and then uh, marquise chris just had those wow moments we didn't get to see enough of them um just the three games but you know every every once in a while he he'd do something with his dribbles that made you say wow because it was good or wow because it was a bad idea <laughs> um like the behind the back uh perimeter <laughs> stuff <laughs> yeah uh, but at the same time, he had some spin moves that were just uh, so quick and uh, so sure that they were really, really impressive. And his explosiveness to the rim, uh, he got knocked for being a bad rebounder in college, but he had a 14-rebound game in one of those games against pros. So it's obviously there. It's not something he doesn't know how to do. And maybe it's uh, maybe the pro level's tapping in a little bit more. I was really impressed, too. Yeah. He seemed to have a sweet spot there on the baseline uh, with his mid-range J. The three didn't look that confident, but the the mid-range did. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed, Paul, with uh, his self-awareness. We're so used to the pro athletes, just they have really no weaknesses, or at least they don't want to admit them to the to the media. Um, when you ask, what do you got to work on? They say everything. And, and Bender's a little bit like that. I think he's been interviewed a lot, but... Marquise Chris is just like, hey, look, I need to work on my rebounding. I need to work on my focus. I need to work on being there all the time, being engaged and, and going after the ball and being physical. And he did all of that in those three games of summer league before he got sick. Yeah, yeah I loved how I loved how hard he worked. It, we saw in the first two games there, he fell on the floor like five or six times. And then the third game, I was like, I wonder if he's going to come out not – without energy but at least calm down a little bit and then of course he jumped over the scorers table like five minutes into the game I was like all right I guess this is the type of player he's going to be that's the kind of player the Suns need a little bit for next season right Paul the guy with high energy well and I think that's the kind of guy that's finally exciting fans a little that they're they're willing to to see some mistakes and see some miscues uh because he he's at least got that high-end potential that he and he's already showing the flashes of it you know those exciting alley-oops or the way he runs the floor and you know, both both him and Dragon weren't afraid to mix it up too, and that's always impressive because people are always concerned with the with the skinny, taller, younger guys that they're going to come out soft. And I didn't think either one of them did. I, you know, one of the first things that struck me about Bender in that first game was that he was flying to the rim for boards, even on the offense. And uh, that's something that they asked him to do, and he willingly did. And uh, Chris, you know, like you mentioned, Dave, about being self-aware. I, you know, he came off of that first game, and it wasn't very impressive and he said he just admitted that he he was nervous and then the second game he felt more comfortable about his place and what he was doing and i i like that too out of him yeah absolutely i i I like anybody who's open with uh the things they need to work on devin booker is is the same way he's he's always been pretty open on that i think tyler ulis is is a lot the same way bender just sounded like uh no i love i loved how bender showed up I guess I had no expectations of Dragon Bender in this in this summer league, so I was pleasantly surprised with how active he was and how how good he moved his feet on defense. And yet, I read some of these other um, high level uh, scouts who one of them will say, "Oh yeah, he was great." He was one said he was the most impressive guy he saw in summer league, and then another 
higher level scout said, oh, he was one of the most disappointing guys I've seen in summer league. So he's going to be a really polarizing prospect um, over the next few years because he is only 18 years old and, and people are going to lose patience. Um, but I, I just liked everything I saw about him. Uh, of course, he's got to make a lot of strides. He could three years from now still be in the same boat, still be indecisive on his shot, still come up short on things. And then we should be disappointed. But I'm not really sure if we should yet be uh, worried about him. No, that's, and, that's, that's never anything really to take from Summer League. And that energy that we talked, uh, Paul talked about with Bender and seeing him crash the glass, that's difficult for stretch bigs to do because you're covering so much ground in so little time to go in there and grab rebounds. And that's something that Bender really tried to do in the first couple of games and really throughout. And that was really impressive to see. But I think overall we saw everything that was advertised about the guys. We saw the Chris explosive plays. We also saw a couple of the brain farts on D. Bender, we saw like the all-around potential of his game. But we also saw that he's a raw 18-year-old, and it is going to take some time. And then Ulyss, we saw that he was this type of floor general. Another guy that really stood out, though, was Indiana's Troy Williams, the former Indiana Hoosier. Paul, what do you think the chances are of the Suns? They have, they have 15 roster spots right now, but John Jenkins, as you reported yourself, uh, had the scoop on is that they pushed his uh, guarantee back, uh, the deadline for his uh, deadline for his contract to become guaranteed, John Jenkins's. So they do have technically an open spot there still. Um, if they choose to, do you think there's a chance they go after a guy like Troy Williams? I think uh, a guy like Troy Williams probably has a better chance of, of going to Prescott Valley if he doesn't have anything better like overseas or with another team. Um, I, you know, they've shown in the past that they like to keep that 15th spot open. It just gives them a lot more flexibility in case somebody else gets uh, becomes available, gets waived. Uh, if some sort of two-for-one becomes available on a trade, um, but, you know, if none of that did, yeah, Troy Williams could. Did he do enough there to secure a, a, a contract? I don't know. Maybe a non-guaranteed one, I suppose, could be. But Troy Williams looks like the kind of guy that could could really benefit from a, a heavy D-League role, uh, you know, 30 minutes a night to, and, and really focus in on becoming a 3-and-D type player. And uh, that last game, his ability to get to the free throw mm-hmm. line, what do you have, 15? That was uh, yeah. that's striking. His athleticism is great, but if you talk to any Indiana fan, it's there and then it's not there. It's, he's, oh, it's consistency yeah, I heard for that, sure. You're right. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I don't know that uh, a handful of summer league games, you know, he was pretty invisible for the first couple. And so I don't know that just, you know, a good run of summer league's games is going to convince him to give him a roster spot. For sure. Speaking of roster spots, though, what about Alan Williams? How how much do you think uh, he should feel good about? Oh, obviously, he should feel good about summer league, but how much do you think he should feel good about whether his contract's going to get guaranteed or not? Yeah, you know, Alan's good for the team just because of his his energy and his the camaraderie on the bench and all that too. And then he gives he gives you a, a space eater and uh, a board a rebounder that that can help you at points of the game when you just need somebody to throw his weight around a little bit but I think more than anything he's he's the type of guy they want on the team the guy that's uh, uplifting the guy that stands up for his teammates the guy that's into it all keeps the bench into it he's you know the lowest contract you can get financially uh, so that helps helps with the bottom line too and and having those hometown roots doesn't hurt and a mom who's police chief you know right. that, <laughs> I don't know if you want 
the police chief at this point. <laughs> hey, Michael Beasley's going to be going, hey, sign me up again. <laughs> now, if she was Scottsdale police chief, that might make more of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Old Town hitting it up for sure. Uh, let's move on, though, uh, and just wrap up here by talking about big picture for next season. Uh, season's still three months away, so we don't want to dive too deep, of course. But Brandon Knight made headlines today by saying uh, – uh, at a uh, NBA store in the Philippines, he said something special is really happening in Phoenix, and that's how we're going to make it work. Just by being brothers off the court and on the court, we'll find a way to make it work. Paul, this is a team that obviously had a ton of setbacks last year. Um, they weren't by any means going to be, I think, a playoff team without injuries, but it definitely hampered them significantly uh, into that top five pick position. We've seen how much the camaraderie has shown in the trip to San Diego uh, with the team. How would you compare these these types of interactions with the team and the vibe around the team compared to other seasons when it comes to how close they've been? Yeah, um, I think it's they're they're all good signs. Um, you, but we've seen some of these things before. There was a big emphasis on this going into last season. You know, if you, uh, they obviously didn't do as much in the off season, but there was there was a a good deal of the summer spent together. A lot of guys were in for all of August last year too, and they. They went through the stuff at camp with the Navy SEALs and everything and talked about how together they were. But then also had some guys later who said they they weren't sure if it if it felt as real as as it was uh, as it was portrayed, I guess. Um, this this feels a little bit more genuine, um, but there's also like missing parts, too. So I think until they all start coming together in August. And we see, I think anything in the summer in Phoenix is always a good sign. I don't ever <laughs> expect, I don't ever expect any multimillionaire to be spending his time in Phoenix in the summer if he has an option. So, um, when when all these guys do, I think it helps that you know Bledsoe's, Bledsoe and Knight are both going through through some injuries. So it, to be here more with the training staff is is a, is a big thing too. And but when that when it comes to that chemistry stuff you got to have guys like Jared Dudley in the room. That's one of the one things I've learned over, over the years is it's very easy for a team to, to uh, break down into clicks and you got to have those guys that just ignore the clicks and blur the lines and, and engage everybody and talk to everybody. And Jared Dudley's one of those guys that just will get along with everyone. Yeah. I really felt like speaking of that, just for a sec, I really felt like, uh, Channing Fry back in thirteen fourteen was a guy that was very much like that. He bridged the gap of what I saw as an outsider. You're much more of an insider, but it seemed to me there was the there was the Gordon Gordon Dragic side of the locker room, and then there was the other guy's side of the locker room, the Morrises and the Bledsoe and Goodwin and them, and and they liked each other, but they weren't clickish with each other. And and Channing would kind of bridge that a little bit, and then when he was gone, the next year you could tell. Um, was I just making stuff up or did you see that same kind of thing? Yeah. Channing's one of those guys. Channing's one of those guys that will, uh, kind of prompt people to do more things together. Um, just like Dudley did too. And, uh, Channing did that in Cleveland, you know, from what I understand when he first got there, he just started putting some guys in some text groups together on phones that had never done that before. And he was like, he didn't even think any of it. He's like, Oh, this is the way we should communicate. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm sure everybody out there does it with their friends when they want to talk to a group of friends regularly. Um, so it's just really good for the team to have guys like that. Um, you know, nothing will cure it like wins. You know, right? Uh, we could talk about guys could get along great, and as soon as losing happens, then everybody's looking at minutes and shots and rolls and 
and that stuff can fall apart really quickly. So success is going to keep that together more than anything. And not that this team should go out and win 50 games, but um, just showing progress and uh, is, is a success for this team. Yeah. So should we show? Should we read anything into uh, PJ Tucker and Tyson Chandler and Archie Goodwin not being around? Uh, no, because PJ doesn't spend his summers here usually anyway. He's he's uh, his roots are in North Carolina. Um, Archie's I th- he's been here some. He was wasn't he on the San Diego trip? I think or mm, he didn't make the San Diego trip. But you know what? I did see that he was working out. Yeah, there was one yeah. that I remember. I, I can't remember which one, but yeah, I mean Archie's situation is obviously a little bit different too because he's got to look at himself as as the odd guard out, uh, especially when they're talking about having John Jenkins back too, and that just deepens that well of the backcourt that makes it difficult for him. Um, but uh, who was the other one that you mentioned? Oh, Tyson. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I never expected Tyson to be around. Yeah, I didn't expect Tyson to be here, but I did expect Tyson to organize some stuff uh, in California around his house. What he talked about, and maybe that's still to come in, in like August. Yeah, we've got yeah. we've got a long way to go, definitely, before we're even at the point in Tyson's trip in California, let alone the regular season. So that was just a little taste of uh, what we've seen from the off season. And uh, as Paul expertly just said, it's. It is what it is. We'll, we'll see until we get the progress, and for now, we won't be able to see it for quite a while. Uh, but we will be bringing you guys another Bright Side of the Sun podcast sometime in the future to uh, start kind of just a whole summer, uh, summer review, not just Summer League, uh, the entire summer, really. And then we'll start previewing uh, the next season. But I just want to thank Paul for coming on, Dave, as always, for coming on, and we will see you guys next time.